Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. I want to confess to you that I don't know very much about investing, um, investing money. I've been told by people who who do the you know people who do well with their investments um, that the long term approach is is the approach to take to investing money. Um, they they invest regularly um, and intentionally over time. Uh, whether the market's up or down, they they do the same thing. Whether it's crashing or soaring, they they invest no matter what. Um, so if you invest that way, obviously you'll end up with a great return on your investment long term. Um, so. I wanted us to, to take that thought and say, what would, what would investment like this look like in our most important relationships? Um, if we decided to invest that way. Uh, in our most important relationships, we need to have you know, a similar investment strategy that, that, keeps, that keeps us from bailing out you know, when everything crashes um, or, or the relationships is not going to look like it should. Um, we need an investment strategy that, that, that helps us be intentional in investing in those relationships, um, even when emotionally it feels like you'd rather, you'd rather bail or you'd rather get out. I mean, our most important relationships, we, you know, we, have, we, need to, we need to do that regularly, intentionally. Um, and obviously this is really hard because, you know, sometimes you feel like I'm not getting anything out of this relationship. Um, or, or even worse, the, the relationship is demanding something from you, <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it doesn't seem to be giving anything back. Uh, but your very best relationships over time, I mean, at the end of your life, the, the, your very best relationships will be the ones that you invest in regularly, whether the, the relationship is up or down, it's crashing or soaring. It's the ones that you, those, those relationships are the ones, you know, that, that at the end of your life, you look back and be like, that was... That was it. Um, and and we, we, all, we all want to be able to invest a little and get back a lot. I feel like, I mean, that's human nature, right? Uh, we, want, we want to be able to invest a little and get back a lot financially, relationally. Typically, things don't work that way. If you invest a little, you should expect a little. In our relationships, when you invest generously, over time, you end up with something very beautiful and of supreme worth but it doesn't happen by accident so as be, as we began this year i told you that I, I that god was leading our church to focus on prayer and sabbath in 2022 prayer and sabbath so we've been talking about prayer um, for, for most of the beginning of the year. And I promise you, once I got to spring, I want to talk about Sabbath. So I want to, you know, want to start that today, uh, talking a little bit about Sabbath. Um, and I want to begin by, by sharing why God has led us to focus on prayer and Sabbath. And to do that, I want to share this verse with you from 1 John. It says this. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. 
He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Uh, those, those words were written by um, the Apostle John to the early churches. Um, the, lots, of, lots of Bible nerds think that they, they shared, all the churches shared this letter around to each other. It's not you know, specifically sent to a specific church, but to all the, all the early churches. And he speaks very, very strongly. If, if you're listening, I mean, he speaks very, very strongly. And he says, if you don't love you don't know who God is. And, that, and again, that, this sounds very offensive for, for someone to be telling you, you don't know who God is. But he says, if you don't love, you don't know who God is. You don't even know who he is. And he's not talking about having warm feelings. Um, he's, he's talking about love that invests in a relationship, whether it's soaring or crashing. And then John ends with the idea of God's love being made complete in us. If we love if we love one another like that. And for me, that's an uncomfortable thought. Um, it's an uncomfortable thought for God's love to being, you know, if we love one another, then God's love is being made complete. What if we don't love one another? Then is God's love not complete? Is that what, that, is that what he means? Like, if I, don't, if I don't live up to the kind of love that he's talking about, is God's love not complete? God's love is great on his own, right? Like, God, God's love doesn't need me to be doing anything. You in this verse, you and I are asked to complete it by how lavishly we love one another. Um, we, we complete God's love by how we love one another. God's love is made complete in us by how we love one another. And I feel I, I don't. If you told me that apart from this verse, I would be like, "That's not. Oh, that's not true." But what John says is that. It, that when we love each other, his love is made complete in us. John loved Jesus and was close to him while he was on earth. Um, and and John, John was there like hours before Jesus is arrested. Um, and in those last hours, Jesus is telling his disciples all kinds of things. And, and much, if you, if you read the first, if you read first John and then you read like John, like 15, yeah, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. If you read those, you, you see first John is really based on what Jesus is saying in the last hours of his life. It's almost like a repeat of the very thing, the very same things. Much of, so much of what we call First John is based on Jesus' last hours before he died. So John's really, he's just repeating what Jesus has already said. Both of them are calling us to invest in certain kinds of love relationships in the church with Jesus, other Jesus followers. Love one another, that completes God's love in us. Love one another because that completes God's love in us. You have to love me and not because I'm lovable because I'm not. I'm not that lovable. You have to love me. C.S. Lewis talks about how we often assume or we at least want to assume that we can be loved because we're lovable. 
because we're pretty or smart or strong or wise or selfish or, or we're, just, we're just so wonderful. Um, that's, why we, that's why we want to be loved. We want people to love us because we're wonderful. Um, but the Apostle John is not calling us to, to love like that. He's not calling us to love each other because we're wonderful. Um, he, he says, love each other, um, not necessarily because you're lovable, but because I said so. Because I said so. And I'm coming at you with the authority of Jesus Christ. Love one another because I said so. Lavish love, lavish and rich love that John is talking about when we are least lovable. C.S. Lewis calls this kind of love charity. Who wants to be the recipient of charity? We often say things like, I don't want your charity. We want to earn what we're given. But in reality, at times, and some of us, if we're honest, most of the time, we need people in our lives who will love us, not because we're lovable, but because Christ has called them to. We need charity from others that does not depend on our lovability. We need people who will invest in a relationship with us even when we're not lovable, because given time, and again, some of you know this about yourself, some of you, some of you don't. Given time and closeness, we will prove to one another that we're not as lovable as we think, that we come with baggage and prejudices and triggers and insecurities and obsessions and addictions and weaknesses and blindness and And we desperately, desperately, desperately need someone to love us and give us the charity that Christ has called us to. I love you, not because you're lovable or because you're so wonderful, but I just, just do. Because Christ said so. Because Christ said so. And the rest of the New Testament is describing what that relationship was, should look like in more detail. Uh, think about this. Listen, listen, to what the, listen to what this looks like. Unity. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. That's a tall order. That's a tall order. Bear with one another. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's that's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask. In 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 our church family, when somebody does you dirty, if you feel betrayed by them, bear with them. Here, here's another one. Here's great. Great. Confess your sins to each. I bring this up, you know, every once in a while, just to remind us. I'm, I'm awful at this. Confess, your sin, confess our sins to each other and pray for each other. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And 
I want you to consider this. Just think about this for, for just a minute, and especially, especially those of you guys who've been Christian for more than 15 minutes. When have you ever been a part of a church family where you did this? When have you ever been a part of a church family where you did this? And not be... And, 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 not because I'm here, I'm trying to make you feel bad. Not because in, in, in religious circles, it's so, so easy to turn something like this into, you guys are really bad and you need to confess all your sins. I, I just don't care about that. I want for you to be free. Free. And, and what the Bible tells us, what, what the Lord tells us, is confess your sins to one another. Not because I'm trying to make you guys feel like terrible people, but so you can be free. Bear each other's burdens. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Anyone know what the law of Christ is? You know. Love one another. Not warm feelings. Love one another richly and lavishly, doing all this, this junk that, that, that is listed out. Bear each other's burdens for confess your sins to each other. Extend mercy. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So here's, here's a question for you to consider. Um, does the way that you approach the body of Christ, does the way that you approach this body of Christ allow for you to love it like this? Does the way that you approach the body of Christ allow you to love it like this? The love and the charity that Jesus and John are talking about is starting to sound pretty scary and pretty challenging and pretty time-consuming and pretty overwhelming, and I don't know if I really want any part of it. If I was honest, I don't know if I really want to do that. And even if I can, if, even if, if I want, if I think I want to do it here in this room, like when I walk out of this room, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. The Lord wants this church, this church family in particular, to, to spend time focusing on prayer and Sabbath for, for at least two reasons. I'll say it like this. We need to pray because we cannot love and invest in each other on our own like this. We cannot. We will not. Because, I mean, those of you guys who are Jesus followers, in our church family, you, you know all this stuff. You've read all this stuff before. So it is proof positive that we already know it, but we ain't going to do it. We're not going to do it. We need to pray. We need to pray that he will, he will make us like this. And you can't love the unlovable parts of me. I might as well be asking you to love the taste of moldy bread. Like, 
that's unnatural. You cannot on your own do that. To love like this takes character. To invest your life in this family like this, it takes character. It takes the kind of maturity that does not come naturally to us. We need to pray for it. And we need to, we need to like we said last week, we need to pray that God would send workers who want to work on this. We need to pray. Second, we need the Sabbath to love like this because it's time consuming. It's so time consuming. To love and invest like this, it takes time and energy. And as the elders and I prayed about it, we realized we don't have the time to, to, for this kind of relationship with people. We don't have the time. We don't have the time or the energy to love people like this. Our lives, we are so exhausted that we don't have time to prioritize these kinds of relationships. And, and, when, and again, let me, let me say this. And this has happened throughout the ministry and throughout the year. I've shared with some of you guys this. When there's no room for these kinds of relationships, they are casualties. They are casualties. People will come to me and they will say, Daryl, I don't know where to find my people. I, 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 Daryl, I feel so lonely. Daryl, what can I do? Where can I fit? Where can I find some of this? And when I have to look, sit across from them and look at them and say, I don't know. Casualties. We need the Sabbath because to love and invest like this takes time and energy and space. And we need... So to love like this, um, God, is, God is first inviting us to rest. He's inviting us to Sabbath so that we have the energy to love him and one another like we should. Like we should. Like we should. So right from the beginning of time, God invites us to rest. He rested on the seventh day of his creation. Not because he's tired, clearly. As his, his rest is an invitation to us to rest. When you see him rest, it's an invitation. Some of us, like when you're working with a bunch of people and they say, okay, it's break time. You're like, nope, I'm, mm -mm, I don't need no break. But if the God of the universe is working and then he steps back and he says, okay, I'm going to rest. Maybe that's a sign. He's, he's saying, I mean, he's inviting us. He's inviting us to rest. We talked recently before about how God gave the Jewish people 10 commandments and they were like uh, vows for their relationship. Um, it, was, it was clarity about how their relationship was going to work. So part of what God wanted to do with the people in how he wanted to invest in their relationship was by having a Sabbath day and God was very, very serious about it. Let me share this with you from um, Exodus. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must, you must observe my Sabbaths. And if you just left it at that, people would be like, oh, okay, he probably. You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. And anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Imagine hearing that for the first time. You're like, it's too, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> to be put to death? It's to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days, work is to be done. But on the seventh day, uh, 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 
for the, the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. On the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. I can't get into this right now, but just think about that last sentence. He rested and was refreshed. Okay. Uh, um, so my response to this, again, think about the first, 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 first time you hear this. God shows up and he's like, we got 10 rules. Here they are. You go down. I mean, you're like, oh, yeah, that'll make sense. And then keep the Sabbath. Okay, well. And if you don't, then you're going to die. Whoa, wait a minute. Isn't that overkill? Isn't that too much? It would be like if you were on a job site and your boss said, okay, it's break time. And, you, and, and then he, he said, anybody who doesn't take a break, you're fired and we're going to put you in jail. You're like, whoa, wait a, well, hold on. Is this, is this that serious? And apparently God insisted, insisted on rest and the consequence was death. Clearly it was serious to him. And the question, anytime we see something like that, when we're reading the Bible, we check out and don't think about this. He says rest. And if you don't rest, you're going to die. That should make a step back and be like, whoa, why? Why is this so important? Why is this such a big deal? We should ask why. Why was, the, why was the day of rest so serious that it's put alongside life of rules like worship God only, don't murder people, rest, and if you don't, you're dead. God was inviting them to rest, but he was also inviting them to himself. He was also inviting them to himself, to invest in their relationship, to trust them, to let there be one day when you just rest and invest. And he knew the danger. What if, what, if you, what if you never had a day where you built more trust and invested in that relationship? What if there wasn't that? He knew it was dangerous. So when, when there's a command in the Bible that God takes this seriously, we should at least, we're obligated to, to you know, ask the question, should we be keeping the Sabbath like that? I mean, I don't, if God killed people back in the day for not keeping it, should we be keeping the Sabbath? Are we obligated to keep the Sabbath? And the answer to that question is no, um, at least not, not, not how they did. Um, an early church leader named Paul gives us instructions about how we should look at the Sabbath now. And Paul had been commanded by Jesus to teach, so we should listen to him. Um, and he's sent, he sent to non-Jewish people, which is us. So it says this, Therefore... Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Another section of verse, he says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each one of them should be convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does, does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So when the church first began, there were lots of Jewish Jesus followers, Jews, new Jewish Christians 
who are telling non-Jewish Jesus followers, look, you guys got to follow all the rules and all the things we've been doing our whole lives. So, you know, keep the Passover, keep this festival, do these things, celebrate the Sabbath. And Paul shows up and says, no, you don't. You don't got to do all that. And you can imagine for Jewish people, that would have been very hard and very confusing. And very, I mean, they, they knew the scriptures as said, if you don't keep the Sabbath, you are going to die. And then Paul shows up and says, okay, you don't even got to keep that anymore. So they would be like, what, why, why, how come we don't have to do it? And so Paul tells them, he helps them. He knew they're going to ask that. He says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These things, these are are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So the whole thing, the whole production, um, God resting on the Sabbath day, you know, the at the beginning of time, God resting on the Sabbath day and then the, the Ten Commandments when he rolls out, keep the Sabbath, the Fourth Commandment. He, all those things were leading up to, they were coming down to Jesus Christ. And all those things are like a shadow of the reality of what they really wanted to get to. We find our ultimate rest and our very best relationship in Jesus Christ. Clearly, Christ didn't come to abolish rest. He came to be your rest. And in him, learn to be complete. And in him, we learn to complete his love by how we love each other like John has asked us to. So, so clarity. We have freedom to keep the Sabbath however you want. If you, if you, if you don't want to keep the Sabbath, that's your business. We have freedom in how we practice it. There are no direct laws that say we must do it. No one's going to die. That's good news, right? But let me say this. Let me say this. Nobody has to convince you that we are overbooked and overscheduled and too busy and too tired. In fact, we're so overcommitted that we don't have the time or energy to love each other richly or lavishly like John commands us to. And that's a sin. So you don't want to keep the Sabbath? Mind your own. That's, that's your business. That's not a sin. But if you do not love richly and lavishly like John commands us to, that is a sin. That is a sin. So what I'm asking our church family to do is to learn to use Sabbath as a tool. And if you consider yourself part of our church family, I'm asking you to do this. Uh, And I say this often. um, Something is lost amongst the church when, uh, when the church leadership can't say, I'd like for you to try this. If there's never a context where you are willing to do that, then something is lost as we try to do this together. Something is lost. I'm asking you, as your pastor, as a leader of your church, to, to, to try this 
Sabbath thing with us together. Not because you have to. Not because you have to. But because you can acknowledge that we need margin so that we can come to Christ and rest in him. And then to have the energy to love each other well because we are so well rested in Christ. And I must say, it will look differently for each of us. Some of, for some of you, your Sabbath day will be a day of, of doing things away from people like, like Chris is talking about. You, know, you, go, you go do something that refreshes you alone. But you're, part of the reason why you're doing it is to refresh you enough so that during the week you can invest in others in relationships. For some of you, the Sabbath day might be sitting and eating with friends and listening and sharing well. I'm going to talk more practically in the weeks to come about Sabbath. But I want to use a few examples to share with you. Um, and when I, whenever somebody, a pastor or a preacher gives examples, it can easily become legalistic. I don't, don't, don't let it become legalistic. I just want, to, I want you to wrap your mind around what I'm talking about. So let me, let me just give a few examples. So first, um, our Bridge Kids director, Bree, and her husband, Josh, and their roommate, Jordan, um, they host people at their home nearly every week. Nearly every week. Uh, and, and not a short period of time. I mean, nearly every week they eat together and they just invest. I mean, they'll spend the whole afternoon together just being together. And it's powerful. It's powerful. And it, it, it goes across all kinds of barriers. People who don't even believe in God show up at their house. And you say, why do you show up at their house? Because they're my people. That's what they say. You sh- I show up there because they're my people. So let me, let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. If you are willing to create space to love people like that, you get people who don't even believe in God in the room with you. I bet God's on the edge of his seat saying, oh man, this is it. This is what I'm hoping for. I hope that they can spend more time together so that maybe, just maybe, Second, second thing I want to share with you. Um, my wife, one of the reasons my wife quit her job recently, most recently, the most recent job that she's had, stopped working outside the home is you. It's you. It's you. And she doesn't know, I mean, when you, when you ask her, talk to her about it, and she doesn't really know how to explain it in a way that doesn't feel like she's trying to be over, you know, overbearing or super prideful or anything like that, but it's you. She would... She would say that when she was working, she didn't have the energy or bandwidth. She'd come home and she would crash hard and not, there was no bandwidth at all in her to, to invest in any relationships, just none. She didn't have the energy to love any of you well. So she quit. She quit so she'd have more energy to invest in loving you better. Last one. So, and this is a great example. So, uh, last, last, last couple of Christmases for, for our family, it doesn't feel very Christmassy for some reason. And maybe it's because of the pandemic. I don't know. I, I, it just, 
I'm not sure what it means. Or it's just a feeling. So 2021, Christmas 2021, leading up to us, it wasn't feeling very Christmassy. Rex and Penny invited us over for lunch. And it was like noonish, I think. Martina and I, my wife and I, we get there. We have lunch. We play a game. And then there's just this, this space of time. It, again, unrushed. Like we're not, no one has to go anywhere. We're not trying to do it, get, get some, and again, you know, in adult world, when you're a kid, you show up at each other's house and you're like, what are you doing here? And you're like, I don't know. And you're just, okay, cool. And you guys just sit there and there's no agenda. This felt like a return to that. It felt like that with no agenda, no nothing, sitting there, no meetings. And we talked, we talked about church, we said, but it's just, we're sitting there. And again, so once it was like five we're like, well, we, you know, they probably, we probably shouldn't set them up to have to feed us twice in one day. So we left. But it was just no agenda, just being in the same space. And it, it, it felt, again, it felt like you feel like on Christmas. On Christmas Day, when you feel like there, nobody's, no, nothing's open, you just, I'm just here. But obviously, typically, that's with our families. What I'm, inv- what I'm inviting you to do, and what I'm saying to you is that most certainly, most certainly, especially single, there's single people in our church family who need this for no agenda, being with each other. And again, the truth is we don't have the, the bandwidth for it. We don't have the time for it. I'm inviting you to start with this. You don't start with anything else. Start with Sabbath, rest. And when you do, when you meet with the Lord, he will fill you. And maybe we'll be able to get closer to what John is talking about. To be clear, I'm not asking you to do any of the three things that I that I just told you about. I'm not asking you to be like that or do it exactly that way. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. I'm asking you to practice the Sabbath with our church, though, with our church family. I'm asking you to love this church family richly, not because I said so, but because Jesus said so. Um, And I'm asking you. I'm asking you to ask yourself this question. I'm asking you, again, if you don't like anything I say or you don't want to keep the Sabbath or whatever, whatever, you, I want to ask you, you ask this question, you ask yourself this question. Do you invest in our church family in a way that you could expect to end up coming, coming away with something of great value, of supreme worth? Do you invest in our church family in a way that you could come away, you could expect to come away with it or end up with something of supreme value or great worth? Or do you invest sparingly if you do, you can expect to come away with. You, do you invest little? If that's true, then you should come, expect to come away with very little. Or do you invest in a way where you can expect to come away with something rich, great value, and supreme worth? In just a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. Communion is a time where we remember the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus' agenda when he was here is you. That's it. It was you. 
That was his agenda. Wouldn't it make sense that our agenda would be him while we're here? Like we all got agendas about what we, we want to get and get done or buy or accomplish or whatever. Wouldn't it make sense that if while we were here, our agenda was him? That's it. That's it. That sounds demanding. That sounds crazy. The Bible tells us that Christ is the head of the church and the church is his body. Right? Sometimes people approach following Jesus by saying something like, I love Jesus, but the church, I need some space from the church. Here's what that would be like. Is if on our wedding day, if the person that I was about to get married to pulled me aside and said, you know, I'm looking forward to a great life together with your head, but I don't want to have anything to do with your body. I like your head. I mean, that face, you look, you got a, that's a good face, but we all work on your body. I don't want that. If we don't love each other, if we don't love the church, then we don't love God. Don't kid yourself. If we don't love each other, God, if we do love each other, God lives in us and we complete his love. And his love is made complete in us. So here's here's what I'm asking you to do during this time of communion. Before before you decide whether or not you want to keep the Sabbath, before you try, you know, and maybe some of you keep the Sabbath already. Good, knock yourself out. I'm not giving you, I haven't given you any specific things to, to, to do. We'll do that later. Just start with this. Start with this. During this time of communion, I want you to just make an, you know, assess. Do you invest in, in, in the body of Christ in a way where you could come away and say, the way I'm investing, I'm going to come away with something really great, something of great worth. Do you invest that way? Answer that question. While we take communion together today, let me pray. Dear Father, You, through the Apostle John, have asked us to love in a way that is just radical. It is expensive. It is scary. It is difficult. If we do love that way, though, we can most fully expect something of great worth to be given to us. If we invest that way, we can fully expect something amazing to come back for us. But if we invest sparingly, we will reap sparingly. If we invest little, in a stingy way, then we we can expect nothing. I pray that you would help us in these moments to answer the question honestly does the way that I'm investing in the relationships in this church family lead to the kind of love that John is talking about help us to be honest 
pray that we wouldn't feel the pressure of having to move or do anything yet, but just, just help us to be transparent with you so that we can do this work during this series, moving closer to your rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.